Hello, I am Daniel Nersessian, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you for listening to my nasally, raspy, Armenian voice. This is my first ever podcast. I'm brand new at this. So I'd appreciate any feedback that you could provide for me. If you think it's too long, too short, too boring, too quiet, too loud, whatever, let me know. I'm trying to improve because I'm brand spanking new at this. I'm going to be talking about many things, sports, television, movies, video games, music, life in general, sports betting potentially, and maybe even professional wrestling. I'm going to be doing a lot of lists and rankings, a lot of top 10 lists, a lot of countdowns. I will try to separate my segments into different topics. If you only want to listen to the sports section, you can only listen to the sports section. If you want to listen just to the music and movies, you can only listen to the music and movies section. So I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible for you as the listener. I'd also like to thank everybody that pushed me to create a podcast. I've been told for years and years to, to create one, and now I'm finally doing just that. If it's possible, please share this. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you can be alerted for the next podcast. Please share it with your family, friends, relatives, enemies, anybody. I don't care. I would really appreciate you posting this on social media so we can try to blow this podcast up to as big as it possibly can get. So with all that said, here we go. So today is Wednesday, January 27th. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but I'm recording it Wednesday, January 27th. And I was thinking about the Bills-Chiefs game this past Sunday a few days ago. And I was thinking how, how beatable the Bills looked because they really didn't play good. They really, really didn't. I actually thought the Bills were going to win because the Chiefs have won so many games this season by one score. Um, A lot of games in a row, honestly. Uh, Against the Falcons, Young Waiku missed a field goal that would have sent the game to overtime. Um, The Chiefs just really haven't impressed me that much as of late. And I'm thinking about this now as a perspective for all my friends that live in Ohio who are Browns fans. And man, did they kind of blow that one because they really had that. I mean, Mahomes went out, Chad Henney was playing, And they lost. They still lost. They lost by one score and had that touchdown where Rashad Higgins, excuse me, it wasn't a touchdown. It was a fumble, but it would have been a touchdown if he had just gotten one yard further where he fumbled it out and lost it for a touchback. Would have been a touchdown if he just extended the ball a couple inches and held on, but he didn't. He fumbled out of the end zone and the Chiefs took over. And that got me thinking. That sucks. That's a stupid rule. If you if he had fumbled but fumbled out on the one yard line, the Browns keep the ball and get the ball at the one and punch it in and score. But because he fumbled out of the end zone, they lose possession and their opponent gets the ball at the 20 for a touchback. I never 
thought that was a smart rule, but man, with the implications it had here, losing by five points, the Cleveland Browns, and having those seven points that they would have gotten taken away, that's a heartbreaker. I just don't understand that if you fumble the ball out at the one, you keep possession. But if you fumble it out of the end zone, you lose possession and the other team gets the ball on the 20. So I was thinking, what would be the perfect fixer for that rule? I think you should keep possession, but as a penalty for fumbling it out of the end zone, maybe get the ball on the 20 or 25, right? So you're still in field goal range. But you don't turn the ball over. That's ridiculous. Like, who who came up with that? I really want to know. I mean, I know football's been a long, around for a while, but in sports, we tend to make changes for the better, right? We've made a lot of rule changes to a lot of rules over time. But this rule, I think we need to change. And that got me thinking, what are some other dumb rules in sports? And so, here's my five dumbest rules in sports. Obviously, The fumbling out of the end zone, that's number one. Number two, we've got the drop third strike rule in baseball. And it's funny, I've been a baseball fan my entire life, and I never really realized until a couple years ago how stupid of a rule this was. Because, you know, you're used to it. If you've known something your whole life, you don't see anything wrong with that until you compare it to something else. And it wasn't until, I think my mom even said, I don't understand why... They get the opportunity to run to first base. They still struck out. And then I thought about it even more. If you strike out and the pitcher, excuse me, and the catcher catches it, you do not get the opportunity to run to first base and potentially make it there safely. But if you swing and miss and the catcher does not catch the ball and you swung at a pitch that was so bad it was uncatchable, then you get the opportunity to run to first base? Why do you get credit for swinging at a pitch that was so bad the catcher couldn't even catch it? That's number two on my list. Number three is signing an incorrect scorecard in golf. The penalty for signing an incorrect scorecard in golf. This is a fu- this is a funny rule. I don't know. Many people don't know this, but until recently, 2017, they uh, finally ban- uh, removed this rule. But you had to mark your scorecard exactly correct in golf, right? You can't make any mistakes. You have to write, if you got a three on that hole, you have to put down three. And if there's an error in that, there's a penalty for it. Famously, Robert DiVincenzo signed his scorecard wrong and lost the 1968 Masters because of it. He signed the card with a four, which would have been for par, on hole 17 when he actually got a three, which would have been a birdie. The rule states that the higher scorecard must stand. Like I said, this rule has been eliminated, but the fact that this it cost a poor man a master's championship because he made a math error, three instead of four, is borderline comical to me. And I'm, I'm glad the USGA uh, dissolved this rule because it really needed to go. All right, dumb rules in sports number four. The libero needing to sub in behind the 10-foot line. If you don't play volleyball, you probably didn't understand any of that. But in volleyball, you can sub in and out in between a match. And in the games within the match, there's, you know, 
players, some players are specialists. They are serving specialists. There are defensive specialists that only play the back row. The libero only plays the back row. And they also have a separate jersey that distinguishes them from the other players. The libero can sub in and out whenever they want, pretty much. But for some reason, they have to sub in and out behind a line on the floor, the 10-foot line. The 10-foot line is 10 feet away from the back line in volleyball. And for whatever reason, if you step in front of that line when you're walking in and out of the court, you're technically not supposed to do that. I've actually seen in tournaments somebody say, hey, you got to be behind the 10-foot line. It's, it's, it's literally one of the dumbest rules in sports. I think the reason it's in place is because they want to distinguish the difference in between the libero subbing in versus other players. And so they thought that him coming in behind the line, behind the 10-foot line, made sense as opposed to in front of it where the other players sub in, in front of the 10-foot line. But the fact that one time I saw somebody go in to a game and the referee say, hey, you got to walk back around in front of this line, is it was, it was mind-blowing. Anyways, rule number five, and my final rule, is the 10-second free throw rule in NBA. Um, I just don't understand. I understand in sports and in life now, we want to consume things in as quick as possible, in as quickly of a manner as possible. That's why there's no commercials on Netflix, HBO Max, right? We don't want to watch ads we don't want baseball they're doing tons of rules to speed up the play of game people in life want things to take less right that's why they buy buy a ton of shit on amazon they don't want to go to the store and drive there and drive back they just want to click two buttons on their computer and have it come to them life is all about convenience now right we want everything done quickly but man if you're if you're in the nba finals and you're trying to knock down a free throw and clear your head when there's a million fans cheering and screaming. I mean, 10 seconds? Take a couple deep breaths, bend your knees. I mean, get your form down, shoot. I mean, 10 seconds is not a lot of time, right? It's not a lot at all. And so I don't understand why the NBA felt the need to implement this rule. I mean... I don't know what it was before, but let's say it was 15 seconds before. I mean, what's the difference? Let's say it was 20 seconds before. What's the difference? You're saving a minute, a game, maybe? I don't know. Dumb rule to me. Well, that was my top five dumbest rules in sports list. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And the next segment we're going to get into is going to be about the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets Big Three. All right, so we just talked about my dumbest rules in sports. Next, we are going to get into basketball, our first ever basketball segment on the podcast. And many people have been asking me um, if the Brooklyn Nets' new Big Three will work. First off, um, I've always been a, a Nets fan. I was born in New Jersey. I only lived there till I was four, but I am a Nets fan. They are my favorite basketball team favorite professional basketball team. However, I'm not a huge, for for basketball, for professional basketball at least, I'm not a huge team sport fan. I 
kind of like a lot of people enjoy individual players. And in, and I enjoy following the whole league more than I do specific players. Sometimes I like sp- specific teams for a couple years when they're together. But then once a few of the, the starters or the star players leave, I tend to phase out. Um, anyways, though, the Nets are my favorite basketball team in the NBA. And my, my answer to the question, will the big three work of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie? My answer is not this year, but maybe next year and the years after. So the reason I'm going to say that is the reason that it won't work this year is because they don't have the bench depth, in my opinion. Um, if you look at, let, let's use Jeff Green for an example, a guy who's been who's their sixth man, he's been starting some games for them. He was waived by the Utah Jazz just last year. Utah said, we have too many good players. Jeff, we don't need your services. They waived him. That's somebody that's playing 34 minutes against my, the Miami Heat on Monday. That's a guy who last year averaged only 20 minutes the entire year. That was his average between both Utah and Houston, 20 minutes. He's being asked to play 30-plus minutes. That's a guy who should be like your ninth guy. Ninth, tenth guy. He shouldn't be your sixth man. That's just one example of their weak bench depth. The second thing is 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 with these blockbuster trades, you always get a star, right? Like the like the Nets, they got they got James Harden, but they had to give up four quality role players slash bench pieces, and that affected them. Karis Levert is a really solid young player. Jared Allen is a really solid young player. He was the best center on their team before he left, in my opinion. I think he is better than DeAndre Jordan. Um, plus, he got rid of Terion Prince and the European guy, Kulrux. Um, he didn't play as much, but those are guys that were getting minutes, that were in the rotation. All four of them are gone just for James Harden. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have made the trade. I'm just pointing out the facts that you're losing four bodies to acquire one body. And this Nets, Nets team isn't deep enough for me this year to be able to make it to the NBA Finals. Right? So who's stepping in for the four guys that they lost, right? So I'm looking at the box score for one of their more recent recent games. You have Kevin Durant starting, Joe Harris, great shooter, DeAndre Jordan, a, a starting center, uh, Kyrie Irving, and then James Harden. That's your starting five. Your sixth man is Jeff Green, like I said before. And then on the bench, you've got Timothy Laukabara, TLC, right? The guy that was drafted by the Sixers. Not sure if he should be in the rotation. He's okay. Um, Bruce Brown, okay. We haven't seen a ton of him. Reggie Perry, who's a rookie on a two-way contract. Those are the guys that are coming in off the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. That, to me, is not a championship-level team. That bench just is not deep enough. I know Spencer Dinwiddie is out for the year with his partially torn ACL. um, And when he comes back next year, they'll get him in the rotation. He'll be good. I'm not sure why Tyler Johnson and Landry Shamit aren't playing that much. Those are two guys that are that could be used, I think, instead of maybe Reggie Perry or TLC or Bruce Brown or whoever. But right now they're not getting minutes. I don't know why. I, I have no idea. I haven't looked really into it. But I, I just have concerns about their bench. I think that's my the reason my answer is next year is because 
people will hopefully want to come to the Nets in free agency. Veterans will want to will want to come in and say, okay, you've got Durant, you've got Harden, and you've got obviously Kyrie Irving. Those are three great players. I want to play with them. I want to be on the Nets. That's what free agents will probably do this off season. Right? They've got some notable free agents like Jeff Green, Tyler Johnson, TLC, and Bruce Brown, but they can replace those guys, right? The only way this works, though, is if they do good enough this year to want to entice free agents to come in next year. If they lose in the first round, I'm not sure anybody's going to want to come to Brooklyn in free agency. If you know, They need to do well enough to entice people to want to come to their organization. The first, like if they lose in the first round or they finish sixth in, in the East in the regular season, that's not enticing enough. They got to get at least past the first round and they've got to, they got to win at least a series, maybe even two. And they don't have to make it to the NBA finals, but they should make it to the, hopefully the Eastern conference championship. And if they lose there to the Bucks, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think people will say, we'll see that they're only a couple pieces away from being that championship team. Right? A first round exit won't do it. They don't need to win the Eastern Conference Finals, like I said, but they've got to, hopefully, they should try to at least make it there so that people will be enticed to join them in free agency next year. And that's why, uh, and this brings me to my next point with this big three, is that there is, like everybody knows, there's only one ball in basketball, and all three of those superstars are ball-dominant players. So I think the Nets are going to have to be really strategic in how they stagger them. Obviously, you don't really ever want to have a period where none of them are on the court, right? But you want to also try to use them together when you can because they're very good players. But, you know, there's got to be points where Durant can just take over. There's got to be points where Harden can just take over. There's got to be points where Kyrie can just take over because you don't want to get any three of those guys if one of them gets upset and, and walks, it, this could turn and get you know gets frustrated and demands a trade. This could turn into a bad situation really quickly because they did commit to trading a lot of first round picks in getting James Harden. And if they don't have those picks and it's not working and somebody wants to leave, this could be an ugly situation. We've seen it happen a lot in the past in the NBA where teams have a lot of outgoing first round picks and they don't have a good enough team to win, and they're just kind of in no man's land. It's not a good place to be in the NBA. Not having picks, being over the salary cap, and not being good now. You know, you, you need to either be good now or have your future first-round picks coming in. Um, and, and that's I just think they just have to stagger these guys, and they have to utilize their strengths. We'll see. I mean, it's very, very early. They've got This is kind of like this first season's like a trial. It's a trial in that they want to see if this can really work. Can these three guys coexist, these three superstars, coexist and do well? And if they do well enough, I think other people will want to ring chase veterans and, you know, they'll, they'll, and they'll want to join them. They'll want to join what they're doing. So I do think this is a really important year, even though I did just call it a trial year. I still think this is very important because they have to prove some level of success. Anyways, that was all for the sports section today. We did NFL, we did a little bit of NBA, and next I'm going to give you my top 10 comedy shows of all time. All right, thank you for listening to the sports section 
of the podcast. Now we're going to go into the entertainment section, and today I'm going to be talking about my top 10 favorite comedy shows, comedy television shows of all time. So I've, I've got some honorable mentions because I've watched a lot of television in my life and I've watched a lot of comedic television in my life. And so there's a lot of things that I'll leave out. Unfortunately, there's gonna be a lot of things that I won't even mention in the honorable mentions. I've got a few honorable mentions. I've got the top 10 list. And here we go. First honorable mention is one of my all-time favorite shows, Drake and Josh. It's one of the shows that uh, I watched when I was a young kid, and it was one, it's one of those few shows that when you watch as a kid that you rewatch later and is actually still good. Uh, it's still good because it's so well written. The plots are good. Josh Peck particularly is so funny in this show, and He's just so unique. He's so emphatic with the way that he says things and emphasizes on things that it's still funny to this day. Um, I've rewatched some episodes, you know, you know, with my family member, like my cousins and stuff. And I didn't think it was going to age well because I've seen other shows by the same creator, Dan Schneider, uh, and rewatched those, and they were just terrible, like the Amanda Show and Zoe One Hundred One. It's kind of it's almost cringy to watch some of them, but Drake and Josh is still still funny if you watch it today. Um, it was obviously on Nickelodeon. Right now, you can watch it on Hulu, but that's my honorable mention, number one, Drake and Josh. Number two, I've got, as an honorable mention, Barry on HBO with Bill Hader. It's a dark comedy. It's about uh, a hitman who's, that's Bill Hader's character. He's a hitman, a killer, who stumbles into an acting class in the pilot episode just completely on accident, he's going to kill someone, and he stumbles in on an acting class, literally just completely random, and does an, does a scene, and he thinks, wow, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, but he's still a hitman, so he's trying to balance his life between being a hitman and pursuing his newfound passion in acting, it's a dark comedy, it's on HBO, and it's, it's very well written, it's very well done, that's my second honorable mention. Third honorable mention, I've got Key and Peele, one of my favorite sketch comedy shows of all time. Of course, on Comedy Central. Right now, it's on HBO Max and Hulu, I believe. Um, also, a lot of Comedy Central shows um, are on the Comedy Central app. So if you just log in with your TV provider, you can watch them on the Comedy Central app. Of course, there are commercials, though, but... It's a great show. It's really funny. I, I really love these guys. Everybody knows the iconic skits, and those are all on YouTube and have been in the multi-millions in, in, in YouTube views, but the overall show is still very funny. And similar to my next one, uh, The Chappelle Show, it was just like Key and Peele. It was actually before Key and Peele, and it, it was also on Comedy Central, and it was a sketch comedy show that was absolutely hilarious and similar to Key and Peele has the most famous sketches on YouTube and the views have gone in the multi-millions and even more than that on YouTube because those iconic sketches are so damn funny for both of them and they're really worthwhile. The overall show is worth watching. Chappelle's show is on the Comedy Central app, I believe, but it is not available to stream on any of the streaming services. Dave recently complained about how he didn't want to 
um, have any of his shows on streaming services because the contract that he signed with Viacom uh, at the time, uh, he, he doesn't get any money for HBO or Netflix acquiring the rights. And he complained about it to both Netflix and HBO Max, and they have dropped it from their platforms. Uh, the next show is Beavis and Butthead. Uh, it was obviously on MTV in the 90s, and it was created by Mike Judge, who also created King of the Hill. It's really funny. It's kind of a, a dumb show, though. So if you don't like a lot of things that are like too dumb, you may not find it funny. I find it hilarious. Their laughs are so iconic. They're so stupid, but they're so funny, those two characters. They're really two of the most iconic characters in, in television show history. When you think of the old classic MTV logo, the first thing you associate with, or the first thing I associate with it is Beavis and Butthead. Uh, they're just so funny. The, the, uh, the segments where they, um, not only their, the little, their show, but the, the segments that they review, where they review music videos and say funny comments on the side, like those are hilarious. I really love Beavis and Butthead. I think it's, it's an absolute cult classic. Next, I've got The Ali G Show on HBO. It was with Sasha Baron Cohen. Many people, it was also on BBC, I believe. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is, of course, British. And um, it it was it's a character that Sasha Baron Cohen created, where he interviews people and he's kind of like a, a gangster, like a wannabe gangster, and he interviews politicians, famous people, non-famous people, and he is in character the entire time. It's uh, it's very similar to his other work like Borat and Bruno. In fact, he has side scenes within the show where he is Borat and Bruno, and these were all created before the movie Borat and before the movie Bruno. Uh, these were characters, th th those were where these characters were created, were on the Ali G show, and it is so funny. It's not, on, even though it was an HBO original series, it is not on HBO anymore for some reason. Uh, there are very few shows that HBO has removed from their library. This is one of them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why, but... Um, so I think the only way to watch it is to watch it on like an illegal streaming site or to just buy the DVD old-fashioned way or to buy it maybe on Go on the Google Play Store or on iTunes. I don't know, but it is no longer available on HBO, unfortunately, and I love it. It's a great show. Next, uh, number 10 is I, I couldn't choose one, so I just am choosing all of Danny McBride's HBO projects. So Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, and The Righteous Gemstones. I would say out of the three, Eastbound and Down is my favorite. It's uh, where Danny McBride portrays a washed-up baseball player. It's very vulgar, a lot of swearing. He's, he's a partier. He does drugs. He has sex with prostitutes. He's a complete egotistical maniac. It's so funny. I love it. I may be biased because I'm such a big baseball fan, but I think it is as, about as funny as anything. Vice Principals was also really funny. It was only two seasons. He did it with Walton Goggins, and it's about two vice principals trying to replace the current principal, and they're competing against each other. It's very interesting. It's pretty funny. Um, the Righteous Gemstones is his most recent work. It's still going on. The other two shows, Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals, are both concluded. They've both ended. But Righteous Gemstones had, has already done their first season. They're coming out with the second season. The plot is, uh, is pretty interesting. It's about 
this family of like evangelical priests that all they're a family and they have a ton of money because so many people just go to their church and donate and it's really interesting but they're also corrupt uh one of the uh in the first episode one of the members uh danny mcbride's character actually gets caught doing drugs on video and, and somebody is blackmailing them so that's kind of that's kind of the overall premise is that danny mcbride is being blackmailed and he's trying to figure out who is blackmailing them they want money from him so they know why they're blackmailing him but he's kind of trying to figure out who's blackmailing him and what he does as a result the cast is really loaded it's with adam divine and john goodman walton goggins is also in this one it's uh it's it's a pretty good show i think it's really funny um i'm kind of it was one of those shows i have no idea what the second season is going to be like because it was one of those shows that was just written uh ahead of time the first season only and then the second season could be is is going to be completely new kind of idea and and, and new storyline because like i said it was when it was being written it was only written to do one season but hbo liked it there were a lot of views so now there's going to be a second season we'll see how that is all right that was number 10. number nine on my list is spongebob square square pants i love spongebob um another one of those shows like drake and josh that you watch as a child and you wonder will this still be funny to rewatch as an adult and it absolutely is um there's a reason why spongebob is one of the most iconic figures in cartoon show history there's a reason why spongebob i still believe makes episodes to this day there's a reason why um we just saw a nickelodeon nfl wildcard game with spongebob in it in between the field goal posts right there's a reason why there's these memes that still live on today with spongebob in them with patrick in them um, there, there's just there's a reason for all this and because Spongebob is so damn funny it's so well written it's so clever it's so creative it's absolutely timeless it's still great to this day I rewatch it with my sister like probably w w once every other time we see each other because we love it so much um, it's one of those shows that, that I don't think well it's like fine wine it will never ever go bad it's it's just a timeless classic. Um, if you haven't, I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it for whatever reason, give it a try. If you haven't seen it in 10, 15 years, if you haven't seen it since you were a kid, give it another watch. It's so funny. Uh, I will say, though, that the, the original episodes that we watched when we were kids are much better than the newer ones. I've also noticed that they made SpongeBob a really, really bright neon color in some of the recent more recent episodes i really haven't watched too many of the recent episodes but um i i did notice that all right number eight we've got a tie with two british shows created by the same two guys they're called little britain usa and come fly with me they were both on one of them was on bbc come fly with me little britain usa was on hbo it's another sketch comedy show with the, the two creators are Matt Lucas and David Williams, and I think it is so effing funny. It is so, so funny. Um, these guys dress up as men, women, old women, old men, and they play a variety of different characters. It's just, it's so out there. It's so funny. Um, there's nothing really like it. I, I think these two guys are comedic geniuses. I don't know how they haven't come out with more works. They created Little Britain in Britain, and then they brought Little Britain USA over to HBO, 
into the United States where it got like, I believe six episodes. And that was all Come Fly With Me was a, a mini comedy series where they all work at an airport. And they like, again, like I said, they play a variety of different roles and different characters. It's just these two guys that literally play almost every single character. It's so funny. It is, it is, it is just one of the funniest shows that I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I really, really love it. Next, we've got Big Mouth on Netflix. It was a Netflix original. Um, it's probably my favorite Netflix original, maybe other than only Ozark is something that I enjoy more maybe than Big Mouth. Uh, obviously, Ozark is not a comedic show, but this is a comedic show. Um, it's so vulgar, which is why I love it so much. It's got maybe the most loaded cast for any cartoon show that I've ever seen. It's got Nick Kroll, Jordan Peele, John Mulaney, Jason Mazzucas, the guy from The League and other things. He's so, so funny. I love that guy. Jesse Klein, Fred Amundsen, Maya Rudolph, Jenny, Jenny Slate, Richard Kind. I mean, it has got a loaded, loaded cast. It, it kind of makes you think, like, how much they must be paying, got, you know, high-end actors to do voices. Because you'd think that not everybody's going to recognize them. I always found that surprising when... When, when, when big-time actors get paid so much money just to do the voice, because you can find people that have unique voices. I have a unique voice. I'm not saying I could be a voice actor, but you, you, you find people that... I feel like you can find people, not on the streets, but you can find people... That's like with running backs. You can find a lot of good ones pretty late in the draft. You can find a lot of people that are not A-list celebrities that have unique voices that I think would fill roles. So I, I always wondered why there's so many A-list actors getting paid to do voices, but I don't know. I don't know enough about the industry. Anyways, um, I think it's a really funny show. I think it's, I think it's like, it's kind of generally the concept is it's about puberty and your, all the weird things going on in your life and having to go through all the challenges that come up with it. And it's so vulgar. It's so funny. There's so many sex jokes. I love sex jokes. It's very, very inappropriate. If, if you don't like really, you know, inappropriate, vulgar, comedy this is not for you but if you like that this is right up your alley all right number six of my top 10 favorite comedy shows of all time we have nathan for you which was on comedy central um right now it is available to stream on both hulu and hbo max i believe it is also available to stream in the comedy central app the six six to number one these could easily, these are all interchangeable. These are all things I've rated 10 out of 10 on my IMDb app. These are, these are all absolute classics for me that I could, if anybody sit at any time said they wanted to watch any of these shows, really anything that I've even mentioned in the honorable mentions list, I would love watching. But six through one are, it's like, they're, they're, they're all absolute instant classics for me. Two of my favorite shows. All of my, all of these are all my favorite shows of all time. It is like, it is, it is a very unique show because it is a mockumentary show, um, which means that it's a fake documentary. It's kind of like The Office in that sense. But this is different because it's not scripted. This is an unscripted show, and this guy is. It's very similar to a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen's projects in the sense that he is messing with people in the real world. Um, he 
is trying to get people to look stupid. And he does such a good job at it. It's kind of a spoof of the show The Prophet on CNBC with that Greek guy, Marcus Lemonis, I believe his name is. Um, it, it's like that. It's a guy that comes in and tries to fix failing businesses. But the ideas that, that, that our guy Nathan, Nathan Felder, he's a Canadian guy, that our, that our guy Nathan pitches are just like the absolute most insane ideas that would, would never actually save a business. But, these, but he gets these store owners of these failing businesses to go along with it, which is why it's so funny. So, for example, uh, there's this one guy, an Armenian guy actually in California who owns an electronics store. And he's failing, you know, he says he's going to go out of business. So Nathan says, here, I've come up with a great idea for you. Let's make our prices $1 for all of our televisions. Then we'll go to Best Buy, buy all their TVs at $1 because they have to match it with the Best Buy price match. And then we'll resell their t our TVs for higher once we buy all Best Buy's TVs. That, that's like his, that's the plot of that, of one specific episodes. It's so funny. It's so unique. There's nothing like it. Um, I, I just, I am always a sucker, and I've said this before. I love these types of shows where they have somebody messing with real people. You, you can't, you, it, you can't artificialize that sense of humor. It's just so, it, it's so genuine that these people, when, when they're getting screwed with in the real world, it, it's something I find to be so, so funny. Some people are, get uncomfortable or feel uncomfortable with it. I just find that type of humor to be hilarious. That's why I like Sasha Baron Cohen so much. That's why I love this show, Nathan, for you. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, please check it out if you haven't. It's kind of a cult classic, to be honest. Anyways, that's number six. Number five, very similar show to Nathan for you, is Who is America with my friend Sasha Baron Cohen. It was actually on Showtime. It's probably the best thing, one of the best things I've ever seen on Showtime, other than maybe Dexter and Your Honor. Those are, I, I've always found Showtime shows to be good, but not great. You know, they're not in the same realm as HBO. That's just my opinion. Um, I think... I mean, this is one of those shows where he is tricking people. He's, a, you know, he plays characters and he is tricking real people. He's tricking famous people like Bernie Sanders and Dick Cheney, right? Ted Koppel. And then he's also tricking non-famous people. And he's tricking rappers and he's, he's tricking politicians and actors and celebrities. celebrities. He is tricking all these people to do and say the craziest shit that you could not even believe is imaginable. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is absolutely terrific. Uh, I, I absolutely love his work. I think this show is, is one of the funniest shows ever created in the entire world. Um, you have to check it out if you haven't. There's only seven episodes. Like I said, it's on Showtime. Um, he tried to get... He, he, a lot of people tried to sue him for this because he defamed... People. Uh, he got Sarah Palin really bad, allegedly, uh, made her do a lot of dumb things, but they uh, ended up not even being able to show that episode because she's threatened legal action. But, I mean, th this is one of those shows where it's like you can't believe what people will do when they're getting tricked. I mean, he gets the Georgia General Assembly guy to 
get naked because that's how he thinks it'll prevent terrorists. If he gets his bare ass to touch the terrorists, he thinks the terrorists will become gay and then threaten to, and and then not kill him as a result. It's like you can't believe the stuff that he gets these people to do. Anyways, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Anyways, number four, Family Guy. Absolute classic. I'm sure you've seen Family Guy. Everybody's seen Family Guy. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Obviously, it was originally on Fox. It's currently on Hulu. There's reruns on TBS, FXX, CW, Freeform, Adult Swim, if you want to record those. Um, Seth MacFarlane is a legend. It's Family Guy. It's legendary. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because everybody's seen it and everybody loves it. Number three, South Park. Another Comedy Central show. It's currently on HBO Max. HBO Max played, paid a ton of money to get the rights for uh, South Park. I think it was in the millions, maybe even the billions. Um, it doesn't get enough credit for, for how well it, for how good and classic it really is. Everybody says, oh, South Park's on, you know, it's so funny, whatever. I, I don't think it gets enough credit for how well written it is. And, and, and people don't realize that they come up with these in six days. And the fact that it's so well written in, in just the six days that it came for them to, to tie all these plot holes together and it, it to be con as consistent with the plot as it is, is, is really remarkable. And they literally created it in six days. They have a documentary, actually, which uh, Comedy Central did, and I believe it's on HBO Max. It's called Six Days to Air about how they create each South Park episode. That's very, very unique and very informative and very funny. Um, I don't think the guys Trey Parker and Matt Stone, those are the two creators of it. I really don't think they get an, enough credit for, for how iconic South Park is, uh, especially considering they only have, like I said, six days to create the episodes each week. It's so funny. It's so iconic. Everybody knows. I mean, everybody's seen the classic episodes, but I don't think people ha really give it as much credit as it, as it deserves. And there's a reason it's, it's on its 24th season. Because it's that damn good. Number two, Workaholics, another Comedy Central show. I didn't even realize how many shows from Comedy Central I have on this list, but Workaholics checks in at number two. Um, it's currently on Amazon Prime and Hulu, as well as the Comedy Central app. It's so damn funny. There's nothing like it. It has the best one-liners of like any. There's just so many, Adam Devine's character, Adam DeMamp, says so many hilarious, they all do, but he really says the most hilarious one-line things that you've ever heard. It's an absolute classic for me. The cast is Adam Devine, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Eric Griffin, Jillian Bell, and Kyle Nuwachek. The plot is that there's three guys that work with a dead-end job in cold calling for sales, and they party they do drugs they're losers and it's just really 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 funny if you haven't checked it out i recommend watching the pilot episode it's, it's hilarious um another this is one of the shows that you don't really have to watch in order at all you can watch it, it doesn't really matter if you watch it in order or not um it's got a, a lot of iconic episodes including temptress in real time if you want to check those ones out those are all really funny and if you don't think any of those three are funny then you won't really like the show i think those those three episodes are about as funny as any episodes I've ever seen in television. I, I really love this show. It's it's so funny. There's they just they say the craziest and do the craziest things, and I just find it to be so hilarious. Number one, 
my favorite show probably of all time on HBO, Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, it's so funny. It's by Larry David. He is the creator of Seinfeld. I think it's the best sitcom of all time. Um, I think the writing is absolutely amazing. It is so well written. Um, most of the lines, the storyline is, is, is so well written and the plot always ties together in such a unique, ironic way. It's, it just comes together like a masterpiece. Um, but most of the lines are actually improvised in it, which is why it makes it so hilarious. Um, it's been on since 2000 and it's still funny to this day. I, I mean, I, I watch, you, you go back and watch episodes of things that are 20 years old. Normally it's not that funny. But the first season episodes are still funny. The newest season that they had was one of the best seasons that they've ever had. Um, it's so, it's got, had a ton of celebrity cameo appearances, which was cool. Um, there's a new season coming out, I think, either in late 2021 or early 2022. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, um, which I find to be pretty accurate, has an average aggregated score for all the 10 seasons of Curve Your Enthusiasm at 92%, which is really high for a television show. Um, Seasons number 2, 3, and 5 all got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, The plot is that Larry David plays a fictionalized version of himself, and he gets into arguments and complains. I tell all my friends that like to complain about little mean, meaningless things like why isn't this like this or why isn't this like that it, it that's what curb your enthusiasm really is is it's larry david bickering over tiny little things and he, sometimes he's completely wrong sometimes he's completely right he gets in so many arguments and it's so funny and once you, it's one of those shows that the more you you don't have to watch a ton of it to understand the characters and how they act but it is one of those shows that the more you watch and the more you rewatch, it gets funnier and funnier every time. Um, and it's it's just so, so good. A, a lot of my Jewish friends love it because some of them like to complain about tiny little things just like Larry David does. Larry David's, of course, Jewish. I, I absolutely love this show. It is my favorite show of all time. Absolute classic. It's, it's one of those things, though, where it's not everybody's cup of tea. It is a, definitely a version of cringe humor and awkward humor. And if you don't entirely like, I mean, I think you would, I mean, I think most people would like it. But if, if you don't like too much cringe humor, you may not like it. I find that type of awkward humor to be so, so funny, especially because like, you know, that, it, that he came up with all these little scenarios based on stuff that happened in his real life or that somebody had told them that it happened to them. That's why it's so funny is because so many of these situations are, are so relatable or are like borderline things that you wouldn't think about. I, I really recommend giving it a try. Um, the, the newer seasons, in my opinion, are better, except for the second most recent season, season nine. Uh, I find season five to ten to be the best of Curb. I love it. Um, I, I really recommend it. And those are my top 10 favorite comedy shows. Let me know what you think. And that about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And you'll hear from me soon. Thank you. Goodbye.